Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. My name's Chris. If we haven't got a chance to meet yet, I'm the campus pastor here at SCC. I'm so excited. It's a, there's just something in the air today. Do y'all feel that? Like we, we, we got something special here going on and you know, I get to kind of come out and share as we wrap up this series, uh, get in the game. And, uh, you know, I, I'm a Georgia fan. So anybody watch the game yesterday? That's right. That's right. The second quarter was, wasn't fun, but the rest of the game was great. And, um, you know, so it got me thinking, you know, I've been preparing for this message for several weeks and uh, the topic, you know, that I'm going to get into in a minute, it came about because I was thinking about the playbook. And, you know, it's been said, if you are a fan of any Georgia sports team, like you could just pick one, like you're a little bit of a glutton for punishment. We are awesome at getting all the way there and then, well, we know what happens. But, it, you know, there was a specific game a few years ago that just I've dwelled on for a long time and... And uh, it was one of those deals where we tried the same play, three different possessions, over and over and over. Let's give the ball to this guy. Let's have him run through this brick wall and see what happens. Well, we tried that for three different possessions. And nothing ever worked. And finally, something happened. Finally, something happened. The coach turned the page, tried a different play in the playbook. If you're trying the same thing over and over and over, it's impossible to really get in the game because at that point, you're giving the game away, amen? amen. And we don't want to give the game away. So today, that's my title, is Turn the Page. And I want to kind of set the story, set the stage a little bit for you guys today. So in the New Testament, Jesus was always followed. No matter where he went, he was always followed. And there were two groups of people that followed him everywhere he went. Now, you, you may have read about this, you may have not, but so there was this group called the Pharisees and they were, they actually meant well, but they were the bad guys in the story, even though they meant well, because they were following the same religious traditions and the same teachings that they had been told for generation after generation after generation, they were told to watch for the Messiah and they watched so intently that when he showed up, they didn't even recognize him. So they followed Jesus everywhere. Now it's predicted or it's estimated that there were about 6,000, 6,000 Pharisees around during this time. And, and you better believe if Jesus was in the town remotely close to traveling distance, they were going where he was at because they were trying to catch him in a sin, they were trying to catch him in a lie. They were trying to jump on in and tell him that everything that he was saying was wrong and it was blasphemy and, and they were out to get him. Like we can agree with that. But there, there was another group of people that for today's purposes, we'll just call the truth seekers. They were people who were seeking something greater. They had heard the stories of the miracles. They had heard the stories of, of Jesus teaching and it was so different and counterintuitive to everything they'd ever been told because at that point it was no longer about what they could do to get to God. It was about what God was doing to get to them. And the story changed, the page was turned. And you know, we, we do read a lot that um, you know, the healing power of God was always on Jesus 
always on Jesus. But you notice anytime he's in a big crowd of people who are looking for the truth, the healing power gets mentioned specifically. And in Luke 5, 18, this is what it says. I love, I love this, uh, this narrative of what happened. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up. So get this. This is what they wanted to do. Remember I said there was a huge crowd around. They couldn't get to Jesus. Get this. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles. Now, as a homeowner, I just want you to think for a minute. You got the, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the savior of all in your living room. There's people everywhere. They're leaning in the windows. They're dogpiling outside in the alley to get a peek at what is going on. Like the whole cul-de-sac is packed, okay? I mean, it was so full of people that these people had to do whatever it took. They found, I don't know how they got on the roof. Imagine carrying a friend who can't walk on a mat and getting him up to a roof. We don't know how many stories the building was. That's how bad they wanted to get him to Jesus. But now imagine being the homeowner and you're kind of sitting there and you're like, yes, Lord, amen. Like y'all do, you know, yes, Lord, amen. And then all of a sudden, some shingles start falling through, you know, the crown moldings dripping down. I mean, everything's just crumbling around you. And at that point, maybe you're a little taken out of what Jesus is talking about because it's your house that's falling apart. And then all of a sudden, by God's beautiful grand design, the exact place where they ripped off the roof and lowered him down. Get this, this is what it says. Then they lowered the sick man on his mat down into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Like imagine, we don't know how big the house was, but even a small house, it'd be kind of hard to predict exactly where Jesus was standing, amen? But they lowered him right down in front of Jesus. And this is my favorite part of this opening passage, seeing their faith. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. It didn't say Jesus heard about their faith. It didn't say he heard that Jesus, or he heard that they had a relative that comes to church and they hear about it once in a while. It said they saw, Jesus saw their faith in action. It continues in verse 21, but the Pharisees, remember we talked about them, the Pharisees and teachers of religious law said to themselves, so they're thinking and then they're kind of mumbling. You know, you ever been in a room with other people and you're not in on the mumbling and the murmuring, so you're pretty sure they're talking about you, but you're not sure? Jesus had no question. So get this. They said to themselves, who does he think he is? That's blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Imagine how freaked out you would be if you were them Jesus just told you exactly, not kind of what you were thinking. He just said exactly. He's about to say exactly what you're thinking. Is it easier to say your sins are forgiven or stand up and walk? So I will prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and what? Go home. Go home. The man's page got turned that day. He wasn't stuck in a rut. He wasn't stuck trying to run the ball up the middle when nobody could get through. His page was turned that day. He didn't turn it by himself. It took good people around him. It took his savior and it took his belief. That's what it took. So I wanna share with you today three ways 
to turn the page. Three ways to turn the page. And this will be the first one if you'll write this down um, or if you're joining us online, if you'll, you want to add this in your app notes. Uh, the first one is this, make real connections. Make real connections. I don't know about you, but there's a difference between an associate and a friend. You need friends. I talk to people all the time. They're like, you know, well, I got a lot of people around me in my circle. Yeah, but do they even know who you are? More so, do you know who they are? You need to know who's speaking into your life. Amen? You need to know who's speaking into your life. And this is, I love this passage. It's the early Christian church from Acts 2, verse 46. I love this. They worshiped together at the temple each day met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. That's the early church. That's the model that we are built on. And you get this, they're not just meeting together for prayer and Bible study and communion. Like they're sharing meals. They're doing life together. Because I'm going to tell you something, church. The Christian life is not meant to be done alone. Because it's not a playground, amen? It's a battleground, and you need some soldiers around you when the time comes. You need some friends that'll carry you through a crowd on a mat if need be. That's what you need in your life. It's what we all need. Matthew 18, 20 says this, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. That's what Jesus said. It's the reason here at SCC that we're so big on things like small groups. And if you haven't picked up a copy of Pastor's book, it's called Change Forward. I've already read a bit of it. And I'm going to tell you what, no matter what season of life you're in, I believe with full conviction that there's something in there that you need. And we're doing small groups based on that. Because here's why it's so important to have good people around you. Did you know that you become the average of the five people outside your family that you're closest to? And the reason I say outside your family instead of just in general is because let's be honest, the five people that you're around the most around when you're not around your family, those are the attitudes and the joys and the pessimisms that you bring home to your family. Like, have you, have you ever noticed that? Like whoever you're around the most, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's a coworker, whoever it is, that's who you become. And here's what I want to tell you is sometimes you've got to evaluate that. Like who's in my five? Because if I'm not moving forward, I need to maybe rearrange the, the seats on the bus, so to speak. I need to move around some people. And, and you look, and you're, this isn't a new thing. Even, Judas, even Jesus had a Judas. One in 12 might very well need to just be kicked on out of the group, right? I mean, it, look, and the crazy thing is, you know who I'm talking about. I don't know who I'm talking about for you, but you know who is, is pulling you down. You know who's holding you back, who's keeping you on the same page that you were on this time last year. You know who it is. Here are three kinds of people that everybody in the world needs. Three kinds of people. The first thing you need is a Paul. We get this model from the New Testament. You need a Paul in your life. You need somebody to pour into you. Somebody who has been where you haven't been, seen what you haven't seen, already screwed up what you don't have to screw up if you learn from their mistakes. You need a Paul. I have people like that. Pastor Jeff and Rhonda, Brandon and Tani, Danny and Chesney, you know, just to name a few. A lot of you guys have been Pauls to me in my life, and I'm grateful for that. You need somebody who's been where you haven't been to help you navigate the road. Amen? The next thing you need is you need a Timothy. You need a Timothy. In the New Testament, Paul mentors Timothy. Paul is the Paul to Timothy. 
So you need that. Here's, here's why, because it's always important to pass what you've experienced and what you've learned on to somebody else, because otherwise it doesn't serve anybody but you any good. You need a Timothy in your life. Um, I have been so blessed over the years to have amazing preaching interns. Years back when, when I worked with some of them, uh, you know, it's, it's so cool to see their growth and development and starting families. And, and, and I got to be a Paul in those situations. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing volunteers here at SCC and leaders that I've been able to pour everything I got in, sometimes for better or worse, but I've been able to pour everything I got into those people. You need a Timothy. You need somebody to pour into. And the last one you need is a Barnabas. Barnabas doesn't get a whole lot of play in the New Testament. But when we do hear about Barnabas, we learn, you know, he's not Paul. He's not even Timothy. He's just there as a source of constant encouragement. He makes them laugh. He's the life of the party. He's the one that they want to be around. He's the one that when they call ahead to, to find out who's coming to dinner with the group, is he gonna be there? If he's gonna be there, they know it's gonna be a good night. I've had a great one of those in my life. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, his name is Brent Colwell. He gives me grief because I've talked about all of my friends but him in sermons. So today is Brent's day, right? Today is Brent's day. Now, Brent moved. He's actually leading the safety ministry of the church he's at now in Alabama. He's a Georgia fan. He moved to enemy territory. He needs all the prayers you can give him. But, but he actually told me last week that he's still a little mad at me for letting him move. I'm like, bro, I didn't decide what you do with your house. You know? And if he's watching now, that's on you, man. But here's the thing. Here's, here's the thing. Brent has never failed to make me smile when I didn't want to smile, laugh when I didn't want to laugh, be, be the, the second person in whatever situation I needed a second in, whether it was serving here multiple services as an usher leader, helping me lead small groups, leading the small group when I couldn't, helping me navigate the, the parking lot, the safety ministry. I mean, if you can think of something around here that you could ask somebody for help with, Brent was my guy and he never failed to make me laugh while doing it. And that always makes things more fun. Amen? You need a Paul, you need a Timothy, and you need a Barnabas. And here's where you meet them, in small groups. You meet those people in a small group. You got a catalog in your program today. Uh, looks a little bit like this. We have done our best to have something for everybody. But here's the thing that I want to share is if you look through this catalog and there's not something for you, we have what we call two or more groups. Everybody can find one person. Everybody can find one person to have a discussion with. We have, we have two or more groups meeting around break room tables at work. We have two or more groups meeting at schools. We have the meeting, in, in, uh, like I said, in the workplace. But at the dinner table at home, you kind of got a captive audience there. You can get your whole family in on the group there. But, but we have so many ways. And all you have to do is sign up on your connection card with your group code, and I'll get you all set up this week. Everybody needs a Paul, a Timothy, and a Barnabas to help turn the page. The next thing I wanna share is this. Number two, if you'll write this down, how to turn the page, make an impact. Make an impact. You know, back to the sports, you know, impact players are the ones that everybody remembers. They're the ones that change the game. The people sitting on the bench aren't doing that. The people sitting on the bench aren't doing that. You need to make an impact. Matthew 25, 14 through 30. And I'm not going to read the entire thing, but I do want to share with you what it says. So Jesus is teaching. And, and I don't know about you, but as you read the Bible and you read Jesus' teachings, like he always kind of had a way of 
putting things where people could understand them. He was a master storyteller. He was the master storyteller. And this is the story he shares. It's the parable of the talents. When you hear the word talent, you might think, well, what is that? You know, is that kind of like I can dance, I can sing? Is that my talent? We don't know. Here's what we know is that a lot of people have defined it as like a big old bag of gold. I don't know about you, but I could use a big old bag of gold, right? I mean, who couldn't? And if you say you couldn't, you're lying. So everybody could use a big old bag of gold. But here's what we know is that when Jesus used the word talent, he was describing something that was priceless, something that was so important, something that was a gift that had been given to someone. That's what Jesus was describing. So the story he shares is this. So there's a wealthy landowner, think like CEO, you know, something like that. He's a big shot. And uh, the big shot's going on a long vacation, long vacation to a distant land. And in those days, they didn't have air travel. So, I mean, when I say long distance, I mean, he could have been going like five miles away. It's a long way back in those days. So, you know, deserts and whatnot, right? So here's what happens. He calls his three top employees, his three top employees. And to one of them, he gives five talents. To another, he gives two. And to the third, he gave one. The Bible says he gave them to them based on their ability. He gave them based on their ability. So what happens is he goes away. It's up to them to do something good to help run the business while he's gone. He returns and he goes, you know, he goes in line, he calls them all in, you know, think, think kind of calls them all into the boss's office. And he's got all three of them sitting there and he goes to the one that he gave five, five talents to. And he says, what have you done with what I gave you? And he said, he, he said, look what I've done. I've turned this five, I invested it, I made it work. I used what you gave me and I have doubled it. And the master says, well done, my good and faithful servant. Because of this, I'm gonna give you even more and you're getting a promotion. Like that's a good day for that employee, right? He's done something good. We all like a good attaboy or girl or whatever it is. We enjoy those. He goes to the second one. He says, what have you done with what I gave you? And he says, I have doubled what you gave me. I went out, I made it work, and now I have four. And he says, that is fantastic. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Give him even more. More will be added unto you. And he promoted him. He gets to the third. And he says, what have you have done with what I gave you? And he said, well, you know, this is where you get to the, the part of the story where the guy's kind of kicking his feet and he's like, you know, I know that sometimes you can be a little hard to work for. Sometimes you can be a little rough around the edges. You might say things that scare me a little bit. So here's what I did. I took what you gave me. I went and hid it so that when you come back, I could give you exactly what you gave me. Now, while you might think that in like a savings account, that's not the worst thing that could happen. But when it comes to business, well, we got a problem. He just said the guy's hard to work for. He just said that working for him is not always easy, but he did nothing. So the guy says, well, I'll tell you what, you're fired. Give, what, give his talent to the guy I gave five to, and let's get somebody else in here and start fresh tomorrow. I mean, that's basically what happened. The guy lost his job because he didn't do anything with what he had been given. You know, you might hear this and think, well, Chris, of course, that makes sense. We're talking business. But remember, I shared that, that almost every translator agrees that the word talent, it could actually closer refer to a talent like you have. It's something priceless that God has given you. It's something 
that we are called to use for the work of the master. Two of them did exactly what they should have done. And the other one was too afraid. He, you, you might could say he, he was afraid of, he had a fear of commitment. You know, I don't want to try because if I try, I might fail. He, he, you might could say, you know, well, maybe he, I just didn't have the time. Like I'm a busy person. I, I didn't have the time. And, and here's what I want to tell you is we're talking about the gifts that people have been given. And the question is, what have you done with what you have been given? It's a little uneasy. I understand that. If it wasn't, I wouldn't say it. Because the question here that Jesus was asking the crowd that he was talking to is, what have you done with what you have been given? And if the answer is, well, I just kind of kept it, the outcome's not the same as for the first two, church. What have you done with what you've been given? Well, Chris, I would do this and this and this if only I had more time. You got the same amount of time in the day that anybody else does. And what I've learned is that people who are busy are going to be busy no matter what. So you might as well be busy doing something that matters. Amen. 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 You know, and, and we use a word around here that might sound a little scary. You know, we, we, do, we try our very best at SCC to do everything that we do with excellence. And that's a word that scares people. But here's the definition that I want to share with you. Pastor Jeff shared this with me years ago, and it changed the way I thought about a lot of things. But excellence doesn't mean perfection. It means doing the very best you can with what you have been given. That's what excellence is. I want to challenge you. Next week, uh, Tawny shared a little bit earlier. Uh, uh, Tawny shared a little bit earlier, she was talking about growth track and getting involved and getting in the game. And I want to challenge you. Maybe that needs to be you. Maybe that needs to be your next step. You know, maybe you've been at the church for years and you used to volunteer in a certain area or you used to serve or, I mean, maybe you even used to lead worship. I don't know what it was, but maybe you're thinking now, you know, well, I've been given that. I need to do something with it. And I want to challenge you to go to growth track so you can get in the game and you can make an impact I want to share this so that you get a little bit better idea of what talents, what he was referring to when he said talents is Ephesians 4, 11 through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You see, when all of the parts of the body are doing the things that they were made to do, that's when, that's when everything clicks. Lives start to be changed, communities start to be changed, and the world starts to be changed. Amen? Amen. Get in the game. Turn your page. Turn your page. The third thing I want to share with you is this. The third thing, third way to turn the page is this. Make a difference. Make a difference. Make real connections, make an impact, and now make a difference. Romans 10, 17, the Apostle Paul writes, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's my prayer that if you're here today and you've heard about what Jesus can and has done and will continue to do, that maybe you're, re you're ready to make a decision for yourself. Maybe you're ready to say, okay, well, all of those people follow Jesus. I hear these stories and all of these lives have changed and I'm ready to make that commitment and I'm ready to follow him myself. Here's what I would ask. There's a prayer in your program. And if you pray that, what I would ask of you today 
is to check that box on your connection card here that says, I am praying the prayer to become a Christ follower. Here's why that's so important. It's not just because you check a box or you do something. I want to send you resources. I want to send you some, some free things that will help you start your walk with Christ. The people that we celebrated earlier being baptized are on their second step of their faith, but this is the first. You have to start that relationship, and that is the realest connection you'll ever make. So I want to challenge you. Check that box on your connection card today. We'll pray for you, and we'll resource you this week. Luke 5, 25 and 26, we come back. We come back to where we began our, our message today with the friends. And remember, they, they, excuse me, pardon me, you know, moving their friend with a, with a mat all through this crowd, finding a way to get on somebody else's roof, doing the work of property damage to get this man in front of Jesus because they were willing to do anything it took to help turn his page. This is where we find ourselves. Verse 25 starts, and immediately as everyone watched, the man jumped up, picked up his mat and went home praising God. Everyone was gripped with great wonder and awe and they praised God exclaiming, we have seen amazing things today. Every time someone's life crosses from death to life and they start following Jesus, we have seen something amazing. Today we celebrated baptisms. We have seen something amazing. I wanna challenge you today. Everyone in their program got these cards. They're for friend day. There's something we're doing next week. On the back of the program, it explains all about what it is. Uh, if, if, for everybody who brings a guest, or maybe you're here as a guest this week and you wanna come back and be a guest again next week, we're gonna send you and your friends out to lunch on us. All the information's on the back of the program. But I want you to hang on to that card for a minute because I wanna share a story with you today. I want to share a story with you today. So there was a young man and uh, kind of grew up in church. He, he, he volunteered in the church. His family was involved in his church. And, uh, you know, he kind of reached that, that middle school age where he just kind of stopped following everything he had been taught. What happens is that the more time you spend with church people, the more you realize that they're not God and they're not perfect and they're gonna screw up and mess up and make mistakes too. And to a young mind, that was enough to send me away. It's my story that I'm sharing with you. It sent me away for a little while because I, didn't, I couldn't understand that people are people and people are, will let you down. They will say and do things that that, that they don't mean to, but, but what happens is, you know, between the ages of 15, maybe even 14, let's go 14, 14 and 18 years old, got into things I shouldn't have gotten into, all behind my parents, you know, back, um, ended up uh, on the wrong side of a, of a police cruiser a few times, bought, sold, and used things that I shouldn't have, had relationships, friendships that I shouldn't have, said goodbye to some friends, when they got sent up the river, said goodbye to some friends at a funeral. Made a lot of stupid mistakes, had more nights that I cannot remember to this day than ones that I can in that time period of my life. School nights even. And before anybody thinks, well, you turned out all right, so this stuff's okay. No, there was a huge hole. There was such a huge hole missing the whole time and I didn't even know it until it was almost too late. I met Jessica 
Thank God she didn't put up with a lot of my bad habits and a lot of them changed, but the ones that didn't change just got worse. And they got worse and they got worse and they got worse. And several years ago, I ran into a friend that invited me to small group. And I know it had to be a God thing because this isn't even a friend that, that I had talked to in a while. I ran into another friend that invited me to church. And eventually both of those things happened. And listen, I, I cannot tell you how grateful I am for those, those three or four people. My life changed as a result of those invitations. My son has never known the life that he would have known in the 11 years that he's almost lived if it hadn't been for those invitations. His life would be completely different. I wouldn't know any of you. But somebody was willing to step out of their connection, uh, out, of, out of their uh, complacency. Somebody would step out of their comfort zone to come to me, somebody who had said no more times than you can think of, and say, why don't you come with me to group? Why won't you come with me to church? Something as simple as this little card can change an entire life, y'all. Whether you're watching online or here in the building, something so simple as an invitation to experience and meet Jesus Christ can change somebody's life. I wanna challenge you today, if you'll stand with me. You know, I'll never forget the first couple of sermons that Pastor Jeff preached. I was sitting right over there about where you guys are here in the middle. And uh, he talked about things being broken and things being restored. And he talked about how to restore a broken dream and how to restore broken relationships and how to restore a broken spirit. In those first few Sundays that I was here, everything changed. My perspective on people who were doing everything they could to follow Jesus, but still sometimes messed up, those perspectives changed, y'all. All you have to do is be willing to take a step and invite someone to have their page turned. I wanna challenge you to hold those cards in your hand the band's gonna start playing in a moment. I'm, gonna, I'm about to pray for us, but the band's gonna start playing. And here's what I wanna challenge you to do. Our altars are gonna be open. If you'd like to bring that card down and just pray. If you don't have a name, God, give me a name. If you're the name, God, do everything you can to make sure I'm here next week. Or if you already have a name, but you're a little afraid to talk to him. The question is, Am I ready to take that step? God, give me the strength to step outside of my comfort zone and help someone else turn the page. Amen? Amen. Amen. Father, God, we love you. We are grateful for the opportunity to worship you. We're grateful for the opportunity for a better life that we've received. And we're looking forward to taking these cards and storming the gates of hell this week to invite somebody else to have their page turned next weekend. God, we love you. We honor you. We worship you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net. And click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.